Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, we got a much needed rally for our markets today, wrapping up a seven day losing streak for both the NASDAQ and the semis. And if you've been tuning in with us here for a long time, you know that's the opposite of, we want, of what we want to see. We love to see tech leading and semis leading tech. And it's just not what we've seen as much of so far. But today we were led, uh, you know, for the most part, small caps right there with, but mostly led by the NASDAQ. So good to see there. And while we may not necessarily say definitively that yesterday's lows will mark the low for this cycle, but the timing here really looks pretty good uh, as we've reached extreme oversold levels on our major indexes and two of the primary factors that have been holding this market back, a really strong US dollar and rising yields, they've both reached extreme overbought levels here. So the timing really does look great for a rally. Now, we never like to try to catch a falling knife, but I will say when you look at these charts, at the very least, we see the June lows for our markets when we bottomed at, at the end of June as being the lows for this bear market cycle. Anything above that will mark a higher low on the way to what we see as a massive, massive rally coming at least into the midterms, likely into year end. And if you've heard the stats that we, that Kip especially has been talking about so much here, it should lead to a rally into next year as well. So to quickly recap that stat in case you haven't been here with us for a while, really pretty incredible. Going back to 1950, in the 12 months following a midterm election year, the market is up. 18 out of 18 times. The bottom typically comes in between you know, the end of August, beginning of September, but we're not as focused on that as we are the average gains going forward from there. The average gain over the next year is 32.3%. And there's a lot of reasons for that likely overlapping here, right? Midterm years, uh, usually end up in gridlock where you know we have one party in the presidency and then split between the house and the senate right now we have a democratically controlled president house senate right so to get a little bit more of a balance of power means gridlock in dc the markets love gridlock in dc so for right now we're looking for a big move into the midterms and if we can get that gridlock that we're looking for next year could be off to the races as well. But again, the bottoming process overall can be messy, but we have reached extreme oversold levels here. So we're looking for our markets to rally. We got a few good signs of that today. But again, back to the timing of this, really could not be better. So beginning with a lot of economic data, next week we get both the CPI and the PPI inflation prints. Those should continue to support the theme of peak inflation. If you continue to look at commodity prices, I mean, look at the price of oil today, down big to its lowest level since the first 13 days of this year or so. That's a massive, massive move lower that we've seen in oil. And we're seeing it in other areas as well. Maybe not so much in Europe, 
but we're seeing it here in the US, which could be good for us there. So if those numbers do come in better than expected, you can expect to hear at the next FOMC meeting, uh, which is just about, uh, what, a couple weeks away now, that the Fed is going into more of a pause mode. You know, maybe if we get good inflation numbers, they won't raise by as much as expected. Right now, the kind of consensus view is for a 75 basis point hike. Maybe, maybe not if we get some good numbers and the Fed just kind of says, hey, you know, we're data dependent. We'll, uh, you know, take a little bit of a pause and reevaluate before our next couple of meetings. Certainly a possibility, but there's always the possibility as well, especially with Jerome Powell, that the Fed makes another major mistake. He's a little prone to those over the last few years. But then after the Fed meeting is really when it should start getting interesting as we head into Q4 of this year. You know, for a lot of reasons here too. So Q4 means we get the next round of earnings. You also get the end of quarter fund flows from pension plans, retirement plans. Um, and so it's a, it's a combination of end of month fund flows and end of quarter fund flows as well. And then we'll get another round of earnings back. And now that might sound like something you should be a little worried about. Because, you know, the last earnings on the top line didn't always look great. But what most people have forgotten about or aren't talking about is that these companies have lowered their earnings estimates so much to where it's almost impossible for a lot of them not to beat or at least come in line with those estimates. But it also in Q2, due to inflation, companies have pricing power here and they have utilized it. So in Q2 earnings... These companies recorded record profits in their Q2 earnings. So due to inflation continuing here, continued pricing power from these companies, we see Q3 earnings that will likely crush expectations. And with strong earnings and the market sell-off that we have seen, PE multiples have been plummeting. This time last year, we were at a 24 PE. Now we're at roughly a 17 here. So still right around kind of the historical average, maybe a little bit on the high end of that. But these are signs telling us that we're not in a massive bubble right now. This market should have more room to run. And then from there, also Q3 GDP, which the Atlanta Fed expects to be positive. They just updated the number today to a 1.4% GDP growth uh, for Q3. That's down from the 2.6 they originally projected. They had that number out on September 1st. So the rebound might be looking a little bit weaker, but getting a positive number would take away the story that so many people have talked about, the back-to-back -back quarters of negative GDP equals a recession. And now I'm not gonna try to change any definitions here, um, <clears throat> but that is one definition of a recession. Really, it's more of an indicator that you're entering a recession. There are plenty of other areas you can look at, right? Because the recession isn't just about GDP. It's about employment levels. It's about the housing market. It's about all of these bigger factors that don't get calculated that well into GDP, right? So really overall, it destroys the narrative of a recession. And we wouldn't at all be surprised to come out and find that they revised Q2's GDP number to a positive 
one as well. And then you'll have people saying, well, look, we were never in a recession. Now I'm not saying that the economy hasn't slowed. I'm not even saying that maybe we aren't headed for a recession. I'm just saying that kind of the catch all phrases like that don't always tell the full story, right? Not trying to call anybody right or wrong here. Uh, it just doesn't give you the full picture of what's really happening. But that, getting a positive print in Q3, even if they don't revise Q2's numbers higher, that should bring some animal spirits back to this market on the bullish side. That's the way that we see it here. And as we've talked about so much over the last few months, the Dems need a lot of good talking points heading into November so they don't just get absolutely crushed, right? Uh, so one would be a good GDP print, another strong earnings. And then of course, uh, a rising stock market would help their odds into November. Now we see it as we certainly need a major red wave and we're fully in support of that here. That's all we want to see in November, but the Dems aren't gonna go quietly into the midterm. So again, no doubt the economy is slowing, but with some good data coming out and a little bit of gridlock in DC, we can bring some animal spirits back to this market. And that's why uh, you know, we see a big rally coming into the midterms and likely past that as well. Kip may not be on as, on as much of board on that as I am, uh, but that's what I would like to see here. You know, it really goes back to thinking about Obama's two terms, right? A slower growth economy with a stock market that did that surprised most people, you know, for how slow the growth was. Uh, that's kind of what I expect to see from here. So let's take a look at our market action on the day-to-day. -day. We're led by the small caps up 2.2% to 1,832. We were followed there by the NASDAQ up 2.14%, a nice 246-point gain on the day to 11,791. Next up, the S&P 500 up 1.8% to 3,979. And lastly, the Dow up 1.4%, excuse me, to, <clears throat> to 31,581. Sorry, I got the hiccups over here. But again, seeing the 10-year down today, 2.25%, and we're right at resistance levels here. We, we peaked on the 10-year right around the same time that stocks bottomed, right, in June. Let me pull up an exact chart here. I wish uh, I had my screen sharing on right now. But if you look at this chart, when the 10-year peaked in June, is it was at a 3.48. Right now, we peaked at a 3.35. So we're right in the range of resistance here. And again, that resistance on the 10-year also marked the bottom in stocks. So if we get a pullback here in yields would be very bullish for our markets. And then also the US dollar, like I mentioned earlier, you know, right now is actually at some of its most overbought levels in over two decades. The US dollar to the yen is at its most overbought reading in 24 years. Uh, so to get a pullback here in the US dollar also would help stocks as well. And then we'd start to see commodities rise, which I'll get to here in a little bit because we saw a good day from gold and the gold miners today. But I'll get to that in our VRA commodity watch. Looking at our internals on the day, strong readings here, advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ, over three to one positive for the NYSE, 
just under three to one positive for the NASDAQ. This was the one negative area here, new 52 week highs and lows, you know, getting over 400 stocks hitting 52 week lows is never what you want to see, but we're coming off the tail end of a big sell off. Uh, so, you know, this is a lagging indicator and takes some time to catch up here. Uh, so not exactly a huge red flag, but certainly something that we're watching. Then lastly, volume, big beats here. NYSE, over four and a half to one positive. Uh, NASDAQ, also over four to one positive. So good day from the internals overall, minus 52 week highs to lows. Looking at our sectors on the day today, we finished with 10 out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. You can guess which one led the way with the 10 year down. Utilities, biggest borrowers in the nation, up over 3% on the day today. We were followed there by consumer discretionary, materials, and communication services. Our laggard on the day, the one laggard, was energy. As I'll get to here in a second, oil prices down big on the day. I mentioned that earlier too. But for the rest of our leaders, tech was on the lower side there. So that's not exactly what you want to see, but it's one day's action. Uh, so, you know, we'd love to see tech begin to lead from here. The semis were up 1.6%. Good day, not as much as the NASDAQ, uh, but we, they're also at oversold readings here. So time for a big rally in the semis as well. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch, gold up big. And you've heard Kip talk about that island reversal day that we got just two, three days ago now. Still holding well above those levels. Obviously with an update today, we're above those levels. But the miners also had that exact same, our similar island type of a day, you know, kind of signaling that we could be due for a rally here. Gold up about nine tenths of 1% now to 1,728, but the gold miners up 3.75% on the day today. That's what you wanna see from this group is the miners outpacing the commodity and that's what we got. So getting those September 1st lows to hold here in, in both gold and the miners, we could be looking at a big move higher. Uh, again, especially if the dollar starts to fall from here. Silver up 2.46%, so good day today, to $18.34 an ounce. Copper down 0.82% to $3.43 a pound. And lastly, oil, as I mentioned a few times, hitting its lowest level since the beginning of the year. I want to say it was about first 15 days or so in January, the last time we were at these levels, maybe first 20 days, but still down 5.35% now to $82.23 a barrel. Finally for today, Bitcoin, big reversal today, was negative earlier in the day, has rallied, wow, about not, it was 700, up 700 points from the lows of today when I started this podcast. I looked at this right before I started. Now up over $900 from the lows of the day today. So Bitcoin now up about 2.5%. To 19,445. You know, even if you're not a Bitcoin fan, it's a great indicator of risk on sentiment. So getting a rally in Bitcoin tells you people are back into risk on assets. That's what we want to see. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. And if you haven't received it yet, be sure 
to go check out our latest book, The Big Bribe, uh, out now. You can find it at bigbribebook.com. So thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.